Welcome to The Room, where we talk about the hard parts of leadership that every great leader goes through, but no one wants to talk about. I'm Jenny Dufresne, host of The Room podcast and CEO of Leaders Transform, a business growth training firm. I am a global leader, former United States Marine, international best-selling author, community, and business leader. The Room is your safe space. We'll talk about the things that are difficult for leaders, the tough stuff that leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable about, but we really need to. So come on in, close the door, join me in the room. I know leaders and I know leadership. Hey, welcome back to the room. Excited to have you. So today's conversation is a little bit overdue. Uh, I've been thinking about uh, this particular episode for a while, ever since the Supreme Court of the United States uh, repealed the affirmative action um, ruling or, or law that's been in place for a number of years. And, you know, like many people, I'm disappointed. Um, but I kind of took a different tact, and I want to talk about it today. As I, as I think about leaders and teams and organizations and our ever-contracting world, Technology has made our world completely small. I can speak to someone anywhere in the world in the matter of seconds. If I pick up my phone, if I pick up or, you know, tie into Zoom uh, or, uh, you know, shoot a, shoot a message out, I can literally speak to anyone anywhere in the world. I can be on video with friends of mine in, on the continent of Africa and you know and see what they're doing see what their what their day looks like so it got me thinking the you know what's what's the impact of the repeal the supreme court's decision around affirmative action there's a lot of challenges and things that i think have to be worked out but one of the things that i started thinking about is about leaders about you who in the next 4 years what will the composition of your teams look like? If you think about your current team, whoever you're leading, and what that team's composition looks like from maybe women to maybe people who have disabilities to uh, people who are from different racial and ethnic groups, what does your team look like? And then I want you to think about what you know about your team members. You know, do you know about team members, for example, that grew up in very rural environments? And, you know, have they ever shared with you their experiences? Or maybe you're, maybe you have team members who grew up in urban environments and, you know, what their experiences are. But who will you lead in the next four years or with four years maybe six years, who you, what will the, how will that team's composition change? So I believe that the impact that we are all going to see as leaders and as owners of, you know, CEOs of companies is that with the repealing of the affirmative action um, uh, ruling, I believe that we're going to see a, it won't be dramatic, but we're going to see a systematic changing of the composition of teams. And what that is going to cause is an economic challenge, maybe even an economic crisis, 
because communities that have had the opportunity to go to attend a four-year university will no longer have that opportunity. And so you may say, oh, you know, Jenny, this, you know, you're sounding a bit of alarmist and, well, you know, things, the, the playing field is level. It is not. Some of you may know that I founded and led one of the first all-male public charter schools in a urban environment, and there was nothing in that environment that was setting people up for success. When I go to, and nothing in the, the external environment, when I think about the mission of our organization, it was to prepare our boys, prepare our scholars to enter and succeed in college, enter and graduate from college. But the hurdles that we had to overcome with third graders and fourth graders and sixth graders uh, and three-year-olds was astronomical. Many of our children who had been in other schools, other environments, did not read at grade level, period, full stop. That is not because there's something inherently wrong with those, with those particular children, with the boys. There wasn't anything wrong with them. It's that they had been miseducated or undereducated that there had been, you know, people who decided to write them off early in their educational careers. Those same boys, uh, those same boys will try now in this new era, and the boys like them will try to apply to colleges. They'll have had few opportunities if they've stayed in that same community. They will have had, um, you know, teachers that might have invested in them, school systems that might have invested in them, and a lot that won't because they were African-American boys. And so there isn't an even playing field. If I compare, um, if I compare the students in our, in our environment to students who are across town in the majority Caucasian environment, it was night and day. And so I think about four years from now as a leader, what kind of teams will you have? And this isn't about diversity and inclusion and all that, because there's a clap back on that whole movement. After the Black Lives Matter movement that came, that really sprung more robustly out of the murder of George Floyd, and then the fact that so many people were in lockdown at home because of the pandemic, you know, people all of America got to see George Floyd lose his life on television. Everyone. And that is why I think that movement really took off during the time of the pandemic. But over time now, we have a number of governors who are eliminating diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives in colleges and universities. They're restricting and or making it illegal. And so it just says to me that the efforts that people have made to create a greater um, a, 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 a team environment that represents uh, the communities that people you know live in, thrive in, you know buy their Starbucks coffee in, that those that those teams are not going to look the way they look today. And so, as a leader, what is your responsibility? You know, uh, if there are fewer and fewer people of color. If there are fewer, fewer children who come out of rural environments, rural education is not great. A lot of urban education is not great. Some suburban education, I live in the suburbs now, is not great. It's not good enough. Like it, 
you know, privately educated children have the leg up, period, full stop. And that's not, you know, turning my nose at private education. My son's in a private school. It's not about that. It is about people looking and understanding that the folks who can, you know, afford a college counselor at, you know, ninth grade who will help them prepare their whole entire package to apply to an Ivy League school or a great state school, those folks have the resources, the knowledge, and the access to do that. So as a leader, four years from now or six years from now, what will your teams look like? And I have a couple of thoughts on how you can ensure that your teams continue to reflect what the overall community or this country looks like. This country is a melting pot of different people from different walks of life, from different perspectives. And so one of the things that I think is important, um, whether you're in a hiring role or whether you can even think about, you know, how do you attract people into your environment, is to start thinking about non-traditional uh, candidates, non-traditional opportunities, which, you know, there's a whole layer of this. You have to look at, you know, how how are your systems set up to, uh, you know, if you're using automated systems, you know, artificial intelligence to review resumes and all that good stuff, how can you start to set those so, you know, automatic disqualifiers aren't there? One of the questions that I have is how important is it for someone to have a college degree now? There are so many ways that people can, can be self-educated. Uh, and for many people, depending on their circumstances, that might be really important for them to be able to, to be able to be self-educated. So how many people can be self-educated and actually be able to move the mission forward on your teams? That's important to think about. But here's some non-traditional employees or prospective employees that I'd like you to consider to ensure that your team is not, does not become all of one type of people who had access to college education by virtue of having access to a system that they understood how to make it work on their behalf or on their children's behalf. So the first is veterans. If you look at our veterans, we have highly trained people that don't understand their value, who come out of the service Often they have been well-trained in, you know, whatever type of task your particular organization is looking to hire for. The other thing is, is that they have the training around initiative, around judgment, around team building, leadership development. They have all of those tools in their toolkit. But we, again, many people often overlook hiring veterans or finding out where veterans are, whether you look at your you know, your local, if you have, if you live near a base or your company is near a base, you know, finding out how to connect and develop a pipeline of opportunity or internships to bring veterans into your, into your companies and organizations. The other group that I think is important to think about are college graduates. I remember a long time ago, I read this study that talked about, you know, people who are clamoring to hire uh, young people who graduated from Ivy League colleges and, you know, how important that was. And I've hired people from Ivy League colleges. I've also hired people from state colleges, not tier one state colleges, tier two state colleges. And what I begin to recognize is that it is one's tenacity, persistence, and commitment to their own growth and self-development that become the difference makers. I remember this young person, this young woman that I hired from Harvard University. This is a year, a few years ago. 
And, you know, she came with accolades and bells in her toes and all that good stuff. But what I realized that she lacked for our environment was the ability to be resilient. She did not, she was not resilient. She was, she had not confronted challenge or failure. So while she had a beautiful Ivy League education, it was not helpful in our environment to advance our mission. So think about people who are coming out of a community college, maybe people who have learned to balance, you know, their work commitments, their family commitments and obligations, and they've been persistent to the point where they have developed and gotten that, that community college education. The other side of that is a lot of people are flocking to community colleges because it's less expensive than a big four-year degree. So think about, you know, do we need to change our algorithms to start looking for people who are, you know, really strong coming out of a community college environment? Now, you might find this kind of odd, but because of the internet, we have folks who can access uh, online for almost for free and take classes from MIT, Harvard, Brown, Rice, Yale, um, and many other uh, many other well-known colleges and universities, they can take courses that actually develop their skill set. But the so people who are self-taught or, or who have gone through self-study to develop skills and understanding, what I love about them is they actually are often really out-of-the-box thinkers because they haven't had to conform to what a traditional four-year college degree where you're basically regurgitating what your professors want you to regurgitate or you're citing people that, you know, you have to run around and find people to cite to support your ideas. People who are self-taught or self-study can often bring really dynamic and amazing ideas to your companies, to your mission, to solving problems in new ways. And again, some of those folks may be people who now are going to be excluded because of the Supreme Court's decision. They may be excluded from being able to be in a traditional college or university. They also may just not have the resources, but they have the chops to be able to do the work and get things done. So those are a couple of areas of non-traditional um, employees. Of course, older employees, I think you know it's, it's always easy to kind of write older people off. The reality is, is that we're all living much, much longer than we did 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, and that a lot of older people have some tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, opportunities to add to, uh, to a team. Either they have the stability and the maturity to help a team, maybe a young team, get some stability, or they just have knowledge that can help your teams. So I'm sharing all this because I do think that leaders need to start thinking about how their team compositions will change over the next four to six years and what they need, what leaders need to do today to start preparing their environment. We have a lot of requirements and expectations and all this stuff that actually often, you know, we kind of recycle position descriptions, but don't really have anything to do with the job that needs to be done. We've just kind of gotten accustomed to regurgitating the same position descriptions from wherever. And I know, you know larger companies have more elaborate apparatus to go through this. But I do think that leaders have the responsibility to start to think about how do they want to build their teams? What, what, what can they gain? What kind of economic opportunities can be uh, created as a result of leaders thinking more creatively about building building their teams and the kinds of people that they want in their teams. I firmly believe that the Supreme Court's ruling around affirmative action is going to have a tremendous 
economic backlash. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, but it's not just about African American people, which is a which is a challenge. We we tend to think in you know one you know we we have you know one one track or the other track, but we don't realize that affirmative action helps veterans. Affirmative action can help a lot of different uh, groups of people, and if that has been removed from many groups of people, we now have an entire you know, we now have thousands and perhaps millions of people, not thousands, we have millions of people that now will no longer be able to create or 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 have high wage, high high income jobs. And that is going to have a tremendous impact economically on businesses. The ability to think creatively is going to, if we lose that, is going to have tremendous impact on being able to be competitive, being able to be innovative. So I invite you to think, who will you be leading four to six years from now with the repeal of the affirmative action um, law? What, what, and what do you need to do as a leader to start to rethink the, the non-traditional type of employees that can thrive in your companies? So I hope you found this beneficial. Uh, if you have, share it with a friend, um, like and subscribe, and of course, Give me a note, send me a comment, and let me know what your thoughts are. Thanks a bunch for listening. Hey, it's Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me in this week's episode of The Room, a safe place where leaders come together to talk about the things that we don't often share out loud. If you enjoyed your time in The Room, please like or subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a review. And if you want to learn more about our important work with leaders, head over to the website, leaderstransform.com continue to be connected to our community. Thank you again for listening and make sure you invite someone to next week's episode of The Room.